and welcome to the latest Aeon Pensions podcast, focusing on providing risk settlement insights to help you size up your de-risking options. I'm your host, Karen Gainsford, a principal consultant in Aeon's risk settlement group, and I'm joined today by Steve Purvis and Chris Martin. Steve, Chris, could you let our listeners know a little bit about your background? Hi, I'm Steve Purvis, a partner in Aeon's risk settlement team. I specialise in bulk annuity transactions and I've recently joined the team from Aviva, where I was head of new business for bulk annuities. Hi, Karen. I'm Chris Martin. I'm executive chairman of Independent Trustee Services, ITS. Uh, I've been a professional trustee for around 30 years um, and both um, ITS and myself have been involved in uh, risk transfer cases for the last 10 or 15 years and most notably the recent co-op risk transfer at the back end of last year and the beginning of this year. Great. So today we're going to focus on bulk annuities as a risk settlement option. How is the current market shaping up and how can schemes decide whether a transaction is right for them? Uh, so Steve, I think everyone knows 2019 was a very busy year in the bulk annuity market. What was it that drove the, such high volumes? I mean, was it insurer appetite or was it demand from pension schemes? So 2019 was a record-breaking year, which was driven by a combination of three main factors. Firstly, there was a lot of insurer appetite for new business, driven by insurers being able to originate high-yielding assets. Secondly, pension scheme assets performed well during the year, and many outperformed underlying annuity pricing. And thirdly, the impact of the slowdown in longevity improvements meant that annuity transactions became more affordable against scheme metrics. I'd also add that it's possible that increased activity helped drive market sentiment towards bulk annuities. Transactions executing at competitive pricing levels helps generate interest as others hear about the pricing levels achieved. Combined, this was a perfect storm for the market and why, in my view, we saw so much activity last year. Okay, and what have we seen in early 2020 so far? In some ways, more of the same. There was certainly a hangover from deals in 2019 as insurer capacity was stretched towards the end of the year. Many insurers refused to bid on transactions, which were due to execute in Q4 because of the volumes already written. However, some insurers did offer some very attractive pricing for transactions which were deferred into early 2020. And as Chris mentioned in his introduction, co-op was one of those deals which we pushed into Q1 and got some very attractive pricing through. Okay, so Chris, I think it's fair to say you've been very busy recently, been involved in a number of transactions that completed early this year. How did you decide that bulk annuities were the right solution for your schemes? So I guess the activity we've seen in late 2019, early 2020, Karen, is just the uh, tip of the iceberg, uh, the huge amount of work that went on to get us into uh, the right shape to be in the market at that time, started many years before. So it started with agreeing strategic objectives amongst the trustee board, but um, understanding that we wanted to, over a period of time, transfer risk to the bulk annuity market, getting the buy-in from sponsors to support that approach, and working with the right advisory team to help deliver that. And of course, then also making sure that when we got to the point where the market was interested in schemes, that we understood as both a trustee and a sponsor, what would look like an acceptable transaction and agreeing those metrics up front and making sure that we didn't have to stop and think once pricing was in. So all of the preparation got to the point which allowed us to transact 
in um, in what were quite difficult market conditions. I can't stress enough how much work went into being data ready, being asset ready, and being ready in terms of the benefit specification, and being uh, looking like we were absolutely prepared and the market could get a clear view on what it was they'd be transacting on. And all of that hard work that went in over a number of years got us to the point where we were able to transact on very competitive terms. And how, how did you go about deciding the size and structure of the transactions? So how much to insure and, and across how many insurers? It's a really interesting question, Karen. And again, sizing the overall transaction and then subdividing it between insurers is more of an art than a science. So to start with, we had to consider the impact on our asset strategy. So to an extent, by what assets we would then have left, what our return on those assets would be, what our liquidity constraints would be in terms of that residual asset portfolio. And that helped define the initial size and shape of the population that we were going to make available for risk transfer. We also uh, then looked at overall insurer appetite and decided whether this was a transaction that we would probably get more competitive pricing by splitting one, two, or even three ways. And we also looked at some of the governance aspects. So in the context of the co-op scheme, which is a large scheme, we absolutely accept that this is a journey um, of risk transfer that's likely to take several years before it reaches completion. And therefore, the likelihood is we will end up transacting several times along that journey. So there were no real barriers, either from a governance or operational standpoint, to accepting that uh, splitting between different insurers would be something we could accept if pricing was right, because we accept that we're likely to split again at some point in the future. So all those factors come together to say from an operational governance and pricing perspective, are we happy with the overall package we're signing up to? Definitely an art form, definitely one where working with advisors, testing the parameters and making sure that we're comfortable that this is the right first step on the journey that won't stop us then executing the second and third step. Okay, and then uh, Chris, so what were the key drivers behind the timing of your scheme's approach in the market? Was it a matter of you know, when you were ready, you, you went or, or was there some sort of strategic timing there? Timing is more a, a product of the preparation you put in before and you get to the point at which it's right to present yourself to the market. So you present yourself and then, in a sense, you almost let the insurers come to you. So we working today on, we ran a process where we flagged our intent earlier in the year. Uh, we created interest and momentum and then presented what was being proposed later in the year at which point insurers had had time to plan, had had time to uh, ask initial questions, they'd be able to think about how they're going to allocate capital. And so timing, again, was just the end of a long, well-structured process. So we weren't looking to try and double-guess the market and where the market would be. We wanted to present a clear picture of the opportunities in the market and let the insurers decide what were appropriate terms to offer to us. Okay, so Steve, I think the larger transactions tend to grab the headlines. Are bulk annuities still a viable option for smaller schemes? Yes, m most definitely bulk annuities are still a viable option for smaller schemes. I think it's important to characterise what we mean by small schemes as well. As the market's become busier, the threshold for small is now considered to be £100 million. 
It's also fair to say that for some of these transactions, they will have felt the impact of the larger transactions going through in the market, particularly last year. However, that's only really half the story. With the right approach and flexibility, it's still possible to get very competitive pricing at the smaller end. For example, at Aon, we use a streamlined small scheme proposition called Pathway, which is designed for transactions of this size and includes an insurer-friendly approach to market, along with pre-negotiated contracts. This makes life easier for the insurers and encourages them to bid on transactions, even in a busy market. Last year, we had five insurers bid on a 30 million case with some really good pricing. But anecdotally, we've heard from some insurers that they're often asked to bid on an exclusive basis and transactions generally being underbid on at this end of the market. So I think it's important to approach these deals in the right way and retain some time and flexibility. And by doing that, there most definitely still is a market for smaller transactions. So Chris, have you found any, any difference in trustee or insurer appetite for bulk annuities where schemes are smaller? I think it's fair to say, Karen, that it's slightly more difficult to create uh, market traction for smaller schemes. So I think the key for small schemes are looking to uh, risk transfer in part through a buy-in, pension buy-in, or to um, the full risk transfer through a buyout, is again to be as data and benefit ready as they possibly can. But for slightly different reasons than the larger schemes, I think smaller schemes have to accept they're going to have to be nimble and take the opportunities in the market when there is insurer appetite. So we have one um, one particular case we have uh, in the market at the moment where uh, it happens to be quite a vanilla benefit structure. There's clearly quite challenging market conditions at the moment. But for uh, one of the insurers, it just represents an opportune time to take advantage of favorable pricing. So we could get into that lot in the insurer's pricing program and take advantage of the terms that are available. But that's because we've been ready to go for nearly 12 months now uh, and have had to just wait our time until conditions were right. So there's definitely appetite, there's definitely opportunity, but it's just being nimble as opposed to um, expecting insurers to come to you. So it's a slight, slight reversal in my experience of how you deal with larger schemes. Okay, great. Chris, as, as closing thoughts, have you got any? tips that you'd like to pass on to other schemes who may be considering bulk annuities as a resettlement option? Yes, I guess there's sort of three main thoughts I'd, I would have. And I'd, again, coming back to this point, that the hard work is done up front. So I think agreeing what your strategic objectives are as a trustee board, sharing those and hopefully getting buy-in with the sponsor and creating that governance framework that says, this is where we're all, we're all pointed towards and we all want to get there at the same time within the same parameters is absolutely important. There's no, um, there's no way you'll run a successful process if you've got the two key stakeholders pulling in different directions. And if you can capture those objectives in a set of metrics that mean that once you get pricing, you understand whether it fits with meeting your objectives or not, it takes a lot of subjectivity out of the decision-making, which I found to be really important. So timing, at the final stages can be critical and it's not the time that you want to be reflecting on whether you really want to transact or not. And I guess the um, the final thought would be, we talked earlier about being data ready, being asset ready and being uh, BEC ready. Absolutely uh, critically important, as I said earlier. Trustees do need to understand that there's no such thing as perfection. 
in terms of pulling those three strands together. So don't hold up the opportunity to get into the market because you just keep on to improving your data or improving the legal analysis of your benefit structure. Being in the market, being visible is absolutely key in terms of attracting insurer attention. Great. Okay. And Steve, what pointers would you give? So I'd echo every one of Chris's points there. For lots of schemes, the upfront preparation work is key so that when opportunities do come along, they're in a better position to exploit them. So time and time again, we see clients look at favorable market pricing and hope to be able to capture it quickly. But with such a lead in time in terms of preparation, the opportunity is often lost when while schemes are getting themselves transaction ready. This includes preparing member data and benefit specifications, but like Chris says, having the right governance in place too is really important, with trustee and company involved at the outset. As part of this, we would strongly advocate using a professional trustee with transaction experience. This really helps with the decision-making framework and signals to the insurers that there is real execution certainty. Finally, it's also important to be able to articulate some agreed objectives to the insurers when approaching the market. Insurers often call out the need for clear objectives, agreed by both trustee and sponsor, as being the most important factor in deciding on whether or not to bid on a transaction. Those transactions in the market which have failed to execute are often as a result of trustee and sponsor not properly agreeing objectives in advance, which invariably lead to problems further down the line. So it's really important to establish and agree these at the outset with all parties having input before going to the insurers. Okay, so it certainly seems as if the bulk annuity market remains buoyant and is actually an attractive option for schemes of all sizes if we're looking to reduce risk. Steve and Chris have helpfully given us some pointers on how to decide if bulk annuities are right and if so, how we line ourselves up you know, so the insurers are interested in our transaction. So I think we'll leave it there for today. Thank you very much for, for joining us. You've been listening to the latest edition of the Aon Pensions podcast on providing risk settlement insights to help you size up your de-risking options. With me, Karen Gainsford, and my guests, Steve Purvis and Chris Martin of ITS. If you need any further information on Aon Retirement Solutions or risk settlement in particular, you can contact us by visiting our website or email us on talktous at aon.com.